All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Good morning, Shabbos, Begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning's year. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of ER. Stephen Terizin for dedicating all the Shurman Drushos this month in honor of their grandson, Matan Shmuel Aaron. May Mirz Hashem be to grow, to be a Ben Torah and Mev Esm Shanim Tovos. Our week of learning sponsors, Haley and Ari Lichterman in memory of Haley's mother, Rachel Leah Bas Ruvain Mayer. To thank our anonymous sponsor, the Ili Nishmas Saradina Bas Ali Melech. And Moshe Aaron Alter, Ben Binyamin Yosef. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an aliyah and the family in Nechama. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Shmuel and Rabin Karapkin, in commemoration of the yard site of Shmuel's father, Mr. Leonard Karapkin, Zichron Livracha. And we also thank our Dafyomi sponsors today, Sarah Weingott, in honor of Itchy Weingott's birthday. Our second, our second birthday dedication this morning. Pretty incredible. And of course, again, my wife and I dedicate the Merz Hashem the Daf this morning in the schos of the bris of our grandson, Bisha'atova Umetzlachos. He should be, he should be Zochem Merz Hashem to enter the bris of Avramavinu. And he should be Zochem Merz Hashem to grow to Torah, to Chuppah, to Maisim Tobim, and Merz Hashem be a boy. And a man who is Mekadesh Shem Shamayim every day of his life. Amen. 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 Let's say with that, let us begin. So today's Daf is Lamed Zayim 30, 37. 37. And today we are starting from a very respectable spot. I just want to put this out. We are starting Amir Sashem at Laan Lamed Vavam Adays. I kind of left you, I kind of left you right there in the middle of the Yosef story. So we left off, we left off Tanyo. So I will say, which is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, about 17, 18 lines up from the bottom. No, I take that back. A little bit, a little bit earlier than that. Um, about 20 lines up from the bottom. Yeah, maybe about 22 lines up from the bottom. And I say, so it's far up from the bottom. I say, so, so, what I, so remember again, we left off in the middle of, in the, middle of the Yosef story. And in the middle of the Yosef story, the Gemara was teaching us that Yosef, seemed, according to the version of the Gemara, seemed to be ready to submit his desires, ultimately give in to Aisha's Potiphar. And in the last moment, the Gemara says, aviv He saw his father's reflection in the window. We pointed out in yesterday's daf that Yosef looked exactly like his father. So in reality, Yosef wasn't seeing Yaakov, but rather, who was Yosef seeing? Yosef was seeing himself. But when it says that he saw the image of his father, he was seeing the potential. And Yosef understood that in that moment, he was at a crossroads. Choose, right, one of those pivotal moments where the decision you make will put you on a particular, particular path in life. So the Gemara says, so the Pasuk says, I'm sorry, So we'll say literally again, the bow returned to its place. Meaning that in that moment, Yosef stilled his desire. Stilled his desire. So after seeing this reflection of his father, after hearing this inner voice telling him, do you want your name on the Choshen or do you want to be known as Roez Zonos? What do you want out of life? Yosef is able to subdue his desires. Which I will say, just understand the incredible strength that that represents, right? The ability, Aishas, remember again, where, where is he? Where is he? Aishas Potiphar, Aishas Potiphar is holding on to her, his clothing. And remember again, as we spoke about in yesterday's daf, she is not exactly a nuanced woman. You do not need to read between the lines with her, right? Because Lamaisa, she's saying it explicitly. And yet, in the midst of all this, he finds the way to subdue his desire. 
So what happened? So we'll say literally again, he, he plunged his fingers into the ground. Now Rashi says over there, what that means is he did something physically painful in order to subdue his desires. And ultimately again, so semen came out from his fingers. Now we'll say, now there's a machlokis in the marashah, is that literal? Or is that saying that Yosef did experience a seminal emission as a result of this arousal, right? What, one way or another, what, what it means is Yosef chose not to sin. That's the point of there. Yosef chose not to sin, ultimately with Asia's Potiphar, but there still was some type of emission. So the Gemara says, Mide Abir Yaakov, Mi Garam Lo We'll talk about this in just a moment. Mi Garam Lo Avne Efot. What caused ultimately again? What caused Yosef's name to be inscribed on the ephod? Ela Abir Yaakov. Ultimately, again, the strength of Yaakov. Misham, Misham Roa Even Yisrael. Misham Zoch Avinase Roa Shene Emar Roa Yisrael Hazina Noikitzam Yosef. So I'll say, ultimately, again, it's this inner strength that Yosef Atzadik demonstrated, this ability to, to quiet his desire, this ability to subdue his wants in the midst of a raging fire of desire. This koach ultimately allowed his name to be inscribed on the Choshen. Tanya, well, say, listen to this. In reality, Yosef should have been the father of 12 tribes in the same way that his father was. Remember again, I will say in a certain respect, Yosef was the Bechar, right? Yosef was the firstborn. Why was Yosef the firstborn? Well, he was the firstborn of Rachel Imenu, who ultimately again was the desired wife of Yaakov. So the same way that Yaakov had 12 tribes, Yosef was supposed to have 12 tribes. I saw what happened. Ela told us, Yaakov, Yosef. These are the generations of Yaakov, Yosef, Ela, Sheyatza, Shechvas, Zaro, Mibain, Siparne, Yadav. But nevertheless, because of this emission, this is incredible over here. This is incredible. You see, as Gemara ascribes this idea to this emission that Yosef has as a result of this encounter with Asha's Potiphar. So because he has this emission, therefore again, he lost the opportunity to be the father of 12 tribes. See, so say, here's what's incredible. You read this Gemara, you're like, what? What? This man just withstood the greatest temptation, right? A temptation that probably 99% of people would not be able to stand up to. So why is he held accountable for the seminal emission? And I will say, what's the answer? What's the answer? The answer is, he put himself in that position. The answer is that at the end of the day, like the Gemara says, he went to the house. You're right, Yosef, incredible, incredible. See, I will say, sometimes success in life is not simply withstanding temptation, but success in life is not putting yourself in the place of temptation to begin with. So much of life is trying to be proactive, trying to be roa as hanolat, and trying to figure out how, how do I not get into these situations to begin with? Obviously, some situations you can't avoid, and so in those situations, one has to exhibit incredible personal strength. But so much of life is trying to figure out how could I avoid the situations of temptation to begin with? So it seems to be, because you see from the Skimara, Yosef is held accountable for something. He was supposed to have 12 shatim. Now he didn't have 12 shatim because of the emission. Why did the emission occur? Because he allowed himself to be placed in that situation. And especially, again, this works well with the narrative that Yosef went to the house that day for what? For what? 
Lasas Malachto. Or with Machlokis, Lasas Malachto. Does Lasas Malachto mean domestic responsibility? Does Lasas Malachto mean to satisfy his urges? So if I'm just, if you go with the idea that it's to satisfy Yosef, you put yourself in that situation. It's incredible, overwhelming, Herculean strength that you stood up to temptation. But why put yourself there to begin with? I was saying this happens all the time in life, right? Something goes wrong, something goes wrong, right? I make a mistake or I commit an abandon, like, oh, how did this happen? And they're like, how did this happen? I, I, I walked over here, right? I, I put myself into this situation. And the truth is, I was fully cognizant of the risks. Yet, I still chose to put myself in this situation. Well, there's liability and culpability for that. Incredible. Even though Yosef wasn't the father of 12, Shvatim, Binyamin was. The Kula Nikru al Shmo. And all the Shvatim, all of the, all of the sons of Binyamin, ultimately, again, were named for Yosef. Shinemar. Ubenei Binyamin Bela Ubecha Vashbel. Bela. Why does he name his son Bela? Shnivla bin Umos. Because Yosef is incredible. Binyamin has 12 sons. Right? And all of Binyamin's sons, all of Binyamin's sons were named because of things regarding Yosef, which is incredible. This was like Binyamin, the little brother's incredible expression of love for his older brother. Every single name of a son somehow corresponded to Yosef. Bella, Shinivla bina Umos. So Bella, because ultimately Yosef was swallowed up by the nations. Bechar, Bechar Yimo. Yosef was firstborn. But Ayyadhaya, Ashbel, Sheshavu Kel. Kadush Baruch Hu literally enslaved him. Boshal made him, made him, made him, made him a, a captive. Right? Gera, Shegar Ba'achsanyos. He had to live in different places. Naaman, Shinna in Biyoser. He was very sweet, right? He was very sweet, he was very pleasant. Achi Varosh, right? Achi who? He was my brother. Varoshi. He's my head. Remember again, I want to point out, when Binyamin had all of his sons, they, he thought Yosef was dead, right? Every, remember, all of these boys were born and named before they discovered that Yosef was the viceroy in Egypt. So can you imagine, Abosai? Binyamin is having each of these, right? It's incredible. Binyamin, Binyamin is, is having a bris, is naming each of his sons, thinking that his older brother is dead. And so every single son that he has, he names as a testament to his brother. It's so, it's so moving. It's so moving. Right? Mupim v'chupim. Chulo ra'a v'ani lo ra'isi So I didn't see his chupa. He didn't see my chupa. V'erd, sheyara labena umosa olam. Erd, he went down to live amongst the nations of the world. Igadamri, others say, v'erd, shepanav domelabarad. That my brother Yosef was so handsome, his face was like a rose. Incredible. incredible. In the moment that Paro said to Yosef, Remember again, this is after Yosef interprets the dream. He experiences a meteoric rise to power. Paro says, you are the second in command of Egypt. Without your consent, no one could lift their head or lift their hand. Sorry. So as you can imagine, Yosef's, Yosef's promotion did not sit well with the rest of Paro's cabinet. Right? So remember again, remember in their eyes, what was Yosef? What was Yosef? A Hebrew slave. So literally a Hebrew slave who you bought for 20 shekel now is, gonna, is, gonna, is in charge of us. Is in charge of us. This is incredible. So Paro says, you don't understand. I see elements of monarchy in this young man. If that's the case, then ultimately, again, he should be able to speak 70 languages. In other words, if he's, if he's a monarch, he should be able to be multilingual. 
Malach Gabriel came and taught Yosef 70 languages. Lo For whatever reason, Yosef wasn't chapping. Right? In other words, that he just, he wasn't learning the languages. So ultimately, again, the Malach added, Gabriel added another letter to the name of Yosef, representing the name of Hashem. So we'll say that's where the Yehosef comes from. Right? The Yehosef, the extra hay was incredible. It was added by the Malach, Gabriel, so that Yosef should have expanded understanding so as to be able to learn all 70 languages. Ulamachar, any language, the next day, we'll say second wide line in the bottom of Lama Vav the next day, any language in which Paro conversed with Yosef, ultimately Yosef was able to respond. Watch this. So what happened then? Yosef decided, let me speak with Paro. He spoke with Paro in Lashna Kodesh, Lashna Kodesh Hebrew. And Paro didn't understand. Amarlei, Agmarei, Agmarei. So Paro said to Yosef, teach me this new language. Agmarei velo gamar. He tried to learn it, but he couldn't learn it. See what I was saying? You have to, it's not about languages to be able to speak Lashen HaKodesh. Right? It's about Ruchnius. It's not about your Moach, it's about your Lev. So Paro could not understand. Paro could not learn how to speak Lashen HaKodesh. Anyone could learn to speak Hebrew. He couldn't learn how to speak Lashen HaKodesh. He just couldn't pick it up. So he said to Yosef, Yosef, swear to me that you will not reveal to anyone that I don't know this language, right? As Pharaoh, he was supposed to know everything. So swear to me that you won't reveal that I don't know Lashon HaKodesh. Yosef, no problem, I got you. I got you, right? I swear I'm not going to reveal it to anyone. Go ahead, fast forward. So Ki so I'll say, so remember again, a little bit later on in history, when then, well not so much later, when Yaakov dies, and remember Yosef asks for permission to escort his father's body to bury him in Kinan, Mars Machpelo. And he says to Paro, my father made me swear that I would bury him in Mars Machpelo. Paro what's the big deal? We'll get a basin together. Right? Everyone knows about Hataras and Adarim, right? All right, Hataras, right? Let's, let's get a couple of guys together, right? We'll go ahead, we'll say it in unison, and we'll be done. Right? In other words, let, let's just, just, just go ahead and get your Shavua annulled. So, Aralei, Vichili Nami Adidach, whoa. He says to Paro, Paro, okay, no problem. Should I get your Shavua annulled also? In other words, no problem. You want me to annul my father, the oath I made to my father? While we're doing it, let me also annul the oath I made to you, right? About going ahead and not revealing that you don't speak Lashon HaKodesh. So, Now, even though Paro did not like this, Paro did not want his own oath annulled. And therefore, again, ultimately, he says, go and bury your father. And we'll say, just before we move on, remember again yesterday, we spoke about the idea that the descendants of Yosef, Zari di Yosef, lo shalta ba ena bisha. Lo shalta ba ena bisha. Right, that the descendants of Yosef ultimately again Ayin Hara does not take does not take effect on them. So remember, we said that in order to fully appreciate that statement, we have to really understand the entire story of Yosef. And now, we'll say we can understand that. I'll give you two beautiful interpretations, and then we're going to move on very quickly. The first is the idea by the vision of Zerabah. Zerabah says something so beautiful. He says, "Zari di Yosef, Zari di Yosef, lo shalta ba'ena He says, "What does it mean?" To be, alter, to, be, to be the offspring of Yosef, listen, listen to how I read the phrase. So to be, to be the offspring of Yosef, lo shalta ba'ena bisha. You're careful 
not to use your eyes to look at anything bad. You do not allow your eyes to see something negative. Sometimes to be the offspring of Yosef, the greatest thing one could do is shmiras ha'inayim. To be careful what they look at. Right? That's Zarek Yosef. Do not look your eye, allow your eyes to look on anything that is inappropriate or negative. The, the Baba Vareba, this looks a little bit differently. I will say this is incredible. It's a much longer piece, but I'm, he brings in in a different time when we have time for this, we'll speak about this more. But I'll just tell you the punchline of the Baba Vareba. He says like this, Zari Yosef Abisha. I will say, if you want to go out, be the kind of person who is not subject to Ayin Hara, which means you want to be the kind of person who's able to lift themselves up over everything negative. What do you have to be in life? Zare di Yosef. Such a Pashup Shad. But what does it mean to be a Yosef? What's the etymology of Yosef's name? When Rachel Menu goes ahead and has Yosef, she names him in such a strange way. What does she say? What does the name Yosef mean? She says, Yosef Hashem Li Ben Acher. It's the strangest name to give a kid. Right? right? Can you imagine? She has a kid, and Mary Hashem have another kid. What about this guy? In other words, you just, you, you, you just, had, you just had this kid. Say, the entire name of Yosef means more. Means more. Yosef Hashem li ben acher. Baba Rebbe says, Zari di Yosef. What does it mean to be an offspring of Yosef? It means a person who is never content with what he has now and always wants more. I will say, I'm not talking about in your gashness. We're talking about in Ruchnius. To be a Zari di Yosef means Yosef Hashem li ben acher. You know, in Chasidus, you know what a ben is? You know what a son is? A son is a mitzvah. Right? Just like you have children, your spiritual deeds are your children as well. Here's the difference. Your spiritual deeds listen to you. Your kids don't. Right? So Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, the banim you have from your spirituality are even closer to you than your own kids because they're yours and they're yours forever. Kids do their own thing. Your Maisintovim are always yours. Zare di Yosef. You want to be an offspring of Yosef Atzadik? Yosef Hashem Li Ben Acher. I want more out of life. I want to do more. I want to accomplish more. I want to grow more. I'm never content with where I am right now. There always has to be more out of life. If you're a Zari Di Yosef, then ultimately, Lo Shalta Ba'in Abisha. Ayin Hara will have no effect on you if you are a growth-oriented person. If you're a person who's never willing to stay in place, but a person who's always looking to grow, always looking to expand, Ayin Hara has no effect upon you. I'll say, is that not incredible? By the way, 6 or 5 in the morning, you already got a vision of Zareba, Baba Vareba. I'll say, even if you went back to sleep for the rest of the day, it would be a good day. It would be a good day. You're like, that sounds excellent. That sounds excellent, right? Let's go right there. But, alas, we have more to do. Yehuda. Yehuda Mahi. You both say, what's, what's the pshat with Yehuda? In other words, remember again, we spoke about the idea that Yosef was Mekadeshim Shemaim Besesir. Mekadeshim Shemaim, he sanctified the name of heaven in private. As such, again, he gets one letter of Hashem's name. Yehuda, who sanctified the name of Hashem in public, his entire name is the name of Hashem. Remember, as the point of the said, before you saw us, Kimaram Sechasot, and none of us ever thought about this, that the name Yehuda, in Yehuda, is Yud Kei Vav Kei, is the actual name of Hashem, because Yehuda sanctified Hashem's name in public. I will say, when did Yehuda sanctify, I will say, get ready for this. Here we go. Yehuda, my, what's the story of Yehuda? The sign, Yehuda, Meir Omer, Kisha Omdi, Yisrael, Alayam, 
when Klal Yisrael ultimately again were sitting on, were standing by the by the banks of the Red Sea. I'll say, I, I just okay, fine, fine. Okay, let's go. I've got to get on top of that before I say anything else. Oh yeah, how you shvatim zemza? Girls say this is the side of the story you never heard, right? The shvatim were arguing with each other, so they're standing by the banks of the Red Sea. Both remember again, They're standing by the banks of the Red Sea. The shvatim are arguing with each other, and what are they arguing about? Zeomer they're arguing about who's going to get to go into Yamsa first. Who's going to get to go first? What happened? Kafatz, what's the top of Lamezayim? Kafatz, Shvato Shal Binyamin, the Yard Liam Trila. Ultimately, again, the tribe of Binyamin, they jumped in first. They jumped in first. Shinamar, Sham Binyamin, Sar Rodim, Atikri Rodim, Ella Raid Yam. Vahayusari Yehudi Rogim Osam. And the, the, the princes of Yehuda were throwing stones at Binyamin. They were angry at Binyamin because they felt Binyamin took the opportunity to go in first. Shene'emar, sorry Yehuda Rigmasam. Lefichach, because Binyamin went into the sea first, Zoha Binyamin atzadik v'nasa u'shpezichon l'gvura. Binyamin, I will say, became literally the host of the Shechina. How did Binyamin become the host of the Shechina? Because once you remember again, the Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash itself, Yerushalayim itself, straddles the tribal areas of Yehuda and Binyamin. The actual tribal line goes through the Beis HaMikdash. The Kodesh HaKadosh and the Holy of Holies sits in a technical tribal area of Binyamin. Now to be clear, right, Yerushalayim is, belongs to everyone. Yerushalayim is like, I don't know what the right word. It's kind of like an embassy, right? The same way I think the way it works, right? That an embassy of a country is like actually being in that country, right? So Yerushalayim itself is like the embassy of Klal Yisrael. It belongs to all of Klal Yisrael. So even though it's situated in the tribal areas of Yehuda and Binyamin, nevertheless, it belongs to everyone. But the Kodesh HaKadoshim, ultimately, again, the Holy of Holies, is situated in the tribal area of Binyamin. Why did Binyamin have that schus? Ultimately, because they went into the sea first. I will say that's one version of the story. I will say an incredible Moser Haskil on that. What's the Moser Haskil? I will say people spend, this is incredible, people spend their blessing, people spend their entire life speaking about what they're going to do, right? I've got a one-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and they have the best plans. And again, they will talk to anyone and everyone about their, what they're going to do. There's only one problem, which is, which is they don't do it. They don't do it. They will say, so what's happening at the bank of the sea? We want to go first. Oh, no, we want to go first. No, we want to go first. We want to go first. What does Binyamin do? What does Binyamin do? He goes first. But so the Musar Haskell is, stop talking about what you're going to do in life and do it. And do it. Binyamin decides to do it. They will say, the incredible part is, often what happens is when you stop talking about what you're going to do and you do it, other people get bragging with you. Right? Why do people, other people get bragging with you? Because now, now you showed them that in life you surely do much less talking and much more acting, right? And much more action. So again, everyone, get, why do they get angry at Binyamin? Right? Binyamin, because that's the way life works. Well, say so that's version one of the story. I'm a Lord Yehuda. This is no, 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 no. That's not how it went down. Well, say no, no. The argument was not who's going to go first. The argument rather was, I'm not going first, right? They're arguing, no one wanted to go first, right? I will say, now, kind of makes a little bit of sense, because Lamaisa, all they see in front of them is a sea, is a raging sea. I will say, I want to be clear, no one knew what was going to happen, just to be very clear, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not say yet, just go into the sea and I'll split it, right? So no one knows what's going on. All they know is we're sitting at the banks of the Red Sea, 
the Egyptian army is, hot, is in hot pursuit. They have no idea what's going to happen. So they think, I guess we should walk into the sea and walk into the water and see what happens. But no one wants to go. So what happens? This is the version of the story we know a little bit better. I will say, who is from which Shevet? Which Shevet? From Yehuda. Decides to jump into the water. So what ends up happening? So Nachshem ben Aminadav goes into the water. And was, he keeps walking and walking and walking. And Chazal tells us that the Pasuk that says, Save me Hashem. Save me Hashem. For the water is about to overtake me. Who said that Pasuk? Who said that Pasuk? That was Nachshem ben Aminadav. When literally again he's up to his neck in the water, he doesn't see any possible recourse for the future. So ultimately, again, he says, Baruch Hu, please save me. I'm literally at my wit's end. So just to point out, who was first in? Who was first into the water? Nachsham and Aminadav. So this is the case. This is the situation, ultimately, again, of Shevet Yehuda being Mekadesh Shem Shamayim Befar They're sanctifying God's name ultimately in public. Because remember, again, they are the ones who are showing the rest of Klal Yisrael what it means to have true emuna. an incredibly powerful day. I just want to point out how amazing it is that remember, again, we're learning about Kriyas Yamsuf, which is part of the Pesach story. And I said, we are learning this today. Yudalit Iyar, Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni. I just want to point out, right, on a, on a, on a seven and a half year cycle, on a seven and a half year cycle, what is the statistical probability of learning a Gemara related to Pesach on Pesach Sheni? It's absolutely amazing. We always say it's the Neshika, it's the kiss from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where he says, my children, I'm so proud of you that you plug away day after day after day. Lest you think you're doing something random, I'm going to show you that nothing is random. Nothing is random. So incredible. So we'll say, now watch, the story's not over. As, as all of this is happening, as all of this is occurring, what is Moshe Rabbeinu doing? What is Moshe doing? Moshe Rabbeinu is going ahead and davening. Right? So, we'll say, so this is incredible. Now, you have to understand, what, what the Gemara is painting over here of a picture is, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know what to do. He does not know what to do in this situation. Right? Because remember, again, you have to understand something. The godless of Moshe Rabbeinu, the godless of Moshe Rabbeinu, is that he gave himself over totally to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? So whatever, he is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's man. So whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him to do, he does. Now the difficulty over here is this was an unscripted moment. Moshe, God didn't tell him what to do. So Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, tell me what to do. So what happens? So I will say, so now what's amazing from the Gemara is, Ba'osashah in that same moment. In what, what moment? In what moment? Nachshun's in the water. So I will say, I just want to tell you something. What's so incredible is, What's so incredible is Rashi, Rashi and Chumash, on this pasuk of Dabrel Bnei Yisrael, the Yisrael, tell the people to go into the water, right? Rashi quotes this piece of the Gemara, right? So it's like, it's only when you learn the Gemara that, so when you, sorry, let me say it differently. When you learn Rashi, Ba'osasha, just sounds like in that moment when Klal Yisrael is by the banks of the Red Sea, the Egyptians are behind them. When you learn it in this Gemara, Ba'osasha, in that moment, 
takes on a totally new meaning. What does Ba'osa Shah actually mean? In the moment that Nachshon ben Aminadav is in the water. Right? Nachshon ben Aminadav is in the water. Literally, he's up to his neck in the water. And what is Moshe Rabbeinu doing? Moshe Rabbeinu is davening. Now, that's not an indictment of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Moshe Rabbeinu trying to ask Chesh Baruch what should I do? says, what are you doing? My beloved ones are drowning in the sea. And you're davening? They both say, such an incredible exchange. Moshe Rabbeinu says, what do you want me to do? What 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 would you what would you like from me? What would you like from me? So Amrlo tell Klal Yisrael to travel, to move. Right? Tell them to move, tell them to go into the water. And you ultimately again raise up your staff, raise up your staff and extend your hand. So I will say so, such an incredible exchange. Moshe Shabinu sees Nachshon also. He's like, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're right. Tell Klal Yisrael to go ahead and enter into the sea. And in terms of what I need you to do, you raise your staff. You raise your staff. L'fichach. Therefore, I will say, Zachach Yehuda Lassos Memshala Yisrael. Therefore, I will say, Yehuda ultimately again was privileged, ultimately again to have monarchy. To have monarchy. Lassos Memshala Yisrael. Shnei Mar, Haisi Yehuda L'Kadsho, Yisrael Mam Shalosov. Ultimately, again, Yehuda was sanctified. Yisrael was his dominions. Matam Why was Yisrael ultimately again sanctified? Ultimately, again, because the sea saw and it split. I will say, which, by the way, is also an incredible insight into leadership. Right? What does it mean to be a leader? What it means to be a leader is model the right behavior. In other words, I will say, leaders don't tell people what to do. Leaders do it themselves, and then other, other people follow suit. Also, we see this, by the way, in multiple layers of Jewish leadership. So it's incredible that here, also, I just want to point out, normally we think, when did Yehuda get monarchy? When did Yehuda get monarchy? The truth is already in Vayichi, right? In Vayichi, by the brachas of Yaakov Avinu. Yehuda is already told again on the deathbed of Yaakov Avinu that you're going to be the king. So the Gemara seems to feel that, no, the real monarchy of Yehuda comes in this moment. In this moment when you took initiative. In this moment when you did what no one else wanted to do. That's leadership. That's leadership. You modeled what true emunah meant for all of Kalali. So I will say, this is in every level of leadership. If a person, we speak on this all the time, every person is a parent. Paying a parent is also a position of leadership. Right? You're leading a family. So how do you effectively lead a family? Model the right behavior. It's not about what you say, and it's all about what you do. Model the right behavior for your children, and ultimately, again, they will follow suit. The Kohen is a spiritual leader. So what does the Kohen do? Remember, what does the Kohen do the first thing he comes into the basement? What's the first thing he does? First thing he does. Right? After, after washing his hands and feet, takes out the trash. Right? Why are I both to show you that in the running of a home or in the running of Cloud Yisrael, there is no such thing as a menial task. Everything, everything is important. Never live life with thinking that something is beneath you. Never live life with thinking that something is beneath you. An incredible, incredible idea. So let's go weiter. So I just want to point out, there is so much to say in all of these Gemaras, so much to say. 
I don't know. I don't know when we're going to do it. I don't know. Shavuos. It's not a bad idea. By the way, Shavuos actually not a bad idea to go through all of the agaratas of Sota. Okay, someone told me I should do gender issues, but maybe this is much easier. This is, this is, this is a much better sell. We'll have four people, but I mean, but, but, but Lamaisa, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, good, let's go right there. Not, not a bad idea. All right, let's go right there. Says, you know, Tanya, that'd be Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer. So we'll say, back, back to Agrizim and Harebo. Right, back to Agrizim and Harebo. So we'll say, so now, ultimately, again, we're back to what happened. What happened again? How So watch this. So we'll say. Here's what's interesting. The Mar points out we have we have a little bit of a contradiction because we have Levi being recorded as standing on Hagrizim, right? But ultimately, again, we also have we also have Levi standing down in the valley between the mountains. So the Gemara says, "Iav Shalomar Levi the Mata, Shikvar Neamar Levi the Malo." The Iav Shalomar Levi the Malo, Shikvar Neamar Levi the Mata. So we'll say, where was Levi in this entire process? Okay, so oh, we'll say. By the way, I just want to point out when we say Levi, right? Levi is Shevet Levi, which is for our purposes Kohanim and Leviim. To which the Gemara says, "Not a problem." Okay, so Zikne Kuhuna Ulevi Lamata, Bashar Lamala. We'll say very interesting. The elders. Of the Kuna of the Levia were standing below, and the younger Kahnam and Levian were standing on the mountain. So that, that, that's how Rabbi Eliezer and Yaakov reconciles. Rabbi Yosha Omer, no. Kalaroi the Sharis Lamata, Bashalamala. Anyone who was fit for service ultimately stood in the valley, and everyone else stood on the mountain. Now Rashi says over the way Rashi defines Roy the Sharis. Is Lasseis es Haaron, anyone who is fit to carry the ark, which ultimately again is between the ages of 30 and 50. So anyone who was fit to carry the ark stood in, stood in the valley, everyone else stood on the mountain. Rabbi Omar Rabbi says, Elu vi Elu Lamata. Everyone stood in the valley. So the Gemara says, Elu ve Elu Lamata in Omdin. Hafchup, sorry, actually, I'm sorry. Elu ve Elu Bosa means everyone stood in the valley. Now, who's everyone? Everyone means all of Klaudi Israel. So we'll say, in Rebbe's model, no one actually ascended the mountain. No one ascended the mountain. Everyone stood in the valley together. I saw what happened. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, when it's time for a bracha, they turned their attention towards Hagrizim, and they began with a bracha. And ultimately, then they turned their attention to Har'eval, and they began ultimately again with a clatter. So we'll say, so in this model, Rebbe's model, they, everyone stood in the valley, and they simply switched their orientation, right? They looked towards Hagrizim ultimately for the brachas, looked towards Har'eval for the klalos. So my al, so we'll say here's the problem. The Pasuk says they stood on the mountain. Al besamoch. Al doesn't have to mean on. Al could also mean what? Next to. Next to. Kidesanya venasata al ma'areches levona zaka. I will say, for example, by the lechem ha'parim. Right, the Pasuk says that you shall place on the stack of bread frankincense. Frankincense, Rebbe Omer, al besaloch. So al, in other words, you didn't put the frankincense on the bread, but rather, what did you do? You put it next to the bread. So how do you know about Sahari? Why do you interpret it as al next to? Maybe al literally means on top of. Kisha Omer, visakosa al ha'aron. When the Pasik says, ultimately, again, I will say, so the Pasik over here, So also when it comes to hanging the curtain, so it says that you shall place the curtain on the Aron. Obviously, you're not placing the curtain on the Aron. 
Where are you placing the curtain? Next to the Aron. Havi Omer al say three different interpretations as to how everyone stood ultimately again on Hagris Minharevon. Now, the Kam denominator between Rabbi Oshia, sorry, between Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov and Rabbi Oshia is they hold the Shvatim were actually standing on the mountains. There's only Machlokes how Shevet Levi stood. In Rabbi's model, Everyone stood in the valley. Everyone stood in the valley during brachos. Look to Hagrisim during the during the klalos. Look to Howard's Arevah. Incredible. Let's go weiter. So havchu penim klape Hagrisim pasuva bracha. So Tanar Abanon. So this is actually very interesting. Tanar Abanon. Baruch bichlal. Baruch beprat. Shabbos say the way it worked with the brachos and klalos. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is actually towards the middle of the towards the middle of the column, right across from Tosas EF Shar. Baruch bichlal. Baruch beprat. What does that mean? Listen to this. Kala brachos. All of the brachas in Klolos were said on Hagrizim and Har Eval. Both Rabbos say Bichlal, right? Bichlal means in a general statement and Bifrat in a specific statement. For example, for example, he says, Baruch Yakim Hazos. Aror Lo Yakim. So we'll say, for example, it says, Blessed is the one who will uphold the words of the Torah. Cursed is the one who will not uphold the words of the Torah. So we'll say, that's a klal. Right? That's a general statement. So, hari bichlal. V'chol achaz v'achaz b'frat. For example, baruch var, baruch asher lo yas, baruch asher lo yas apes lo masecha. Blessed is the one who does not make an idol. Cursed is the one who does make an idol. So we'll say, see, see what's happening over here? Everything is said in a general statement and everything is said in a specific statement. So, baruch bichlal, baruch b'frat. So what's so incredible? Incredible. So what's it back to the Gemara? So turn up on Baruch Bikla, Baruch Biprat. So the Gemara says, Arab Bikla, Arbiprat. Lilmo. So we'll say every so okay. So just keep that in mind, right? So everything is said in a so every every bracha is said in a general way and in a specific way. Every klala is said in a general way and in a specific way. Fine. Now we'll say in addition to that, every single mitzvah has four components associated with it. What are the four components? Lilmod, Ululamid. Lishmar Velasos. This is incredible. Every single mitzvah, there's an obligation to learn, right? To learn, to understand the mitzvah. Lilameid, to teach the mitzvah, right? To teach it to others. Lishmar, to guard it, right? To safeguard it. Lasos, to perform it. Okay. Hare, Amadez, Hare. Arba. Shabbat say you see over here that every mitzvah has four components. Has four components. So what do you see over here? Arba Arba Haveshmona. So now I have every every mitzvah, right? Every bracha has a klal and a prat, right? And every avera has a klal and a prat. That's four. Plus again, every single mitzvah and avera also has four different components to it. Lilmod, Lilamid, Lishmar Velasos, Harishmona. Therefore, it turns out that every mitzvah truly has eight components to it. Shmono Shmona, but again, it's therefore it's eight for brachas, eight for klalos. So it turns out that altogether, ultimately, again, there are sixteen components, sixteen pieces, or sixteen elements to every single mitzvah. So I will say, so now watch this. It's incredible. V'chein b'sinai, v'chein ba'arvasmol. I will say, now remember again, the bris, the bris, the covenant regarding mitzvos was given and reinforced multiple times throughout our peoplehood. It was given to us at Sinai. And then again in Avos Moav, Shneemar, Ela Divrei Habris, Asher Tziva Hashem Es Moshe, Uksiv, Ushmartem Es Divrei Habris Hazos, Nimtza Mem Ches Brisos Al Kol Mitzvah U Mitzvah. So here's what's incredible. 
So it turns out, it turns out that every mitzvah essentially has 16 elements associated with it. Now, I will say, now, now every, so every mitzvah has 16 elements, and I will say, the mitzvahs were given over to Kalal Yisrael essentially how many times? Really three times. Remember, because he's, he's leaving out one. There's once in Har Sinai, there's once in Arvos Moav, and I will say, remember now, what are we talking about? Hagrizim and Har Eval. So it turns out that what? Nimsa mem ches brisos al kol mitzvah u mitzvah. It turns out that Lamaisa, there are 48, 48 brisos. It's so special to be able to use that word today, right? 48 brisos, 48 covenants for every single mitzvah. Which I will say, if you think about it, is such an incredible idea. 48 mitzvahs, on, 48 covenants on every single mitzvah. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Motzi Har Grizim Har Eval, Umachnis Oel Moed Sheba Midbar. Rabbi Shimon takes that Hagrizim and Haribal, and instead he puts in Oel Moed. So we'll say, so again, here, here's what everyone is agreeing on. Everyone is agreeing that Lamaisa, again, there were, there were three times that Kalal Yisrael was given over the Torah, right? Three times that the covenant was enforced. So, right, we all agree that one of them is Har Sinai, right? And ultimately, again, it seems to be also agree, well, actually, that's the only one they agree on, right? Then the other two are either, are either Arvos Moav, Har Grizim, or Oel Moed and Hargrizim, or Oel Moed and Arvos Moav leaving out Hargrizim. Okay, Uplute Dahani Tanoi. Visanyo, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, Klolos Namru Bissinai, Upratos Ba Oel Moed. So also Rabbi Shmuel says, general statements, actually an interesting idea, that Klolos, what's that Klolos means? The general statement regarding mitzvahs was said at Har Sinai. Upratos, these specific statements were, were given over at Oel Moed. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, Rabbi Kiva says, no, Rabbi it's actually an interesting idea. What was given over to Cloud Yisrael at Har Sinai? Right? What, what was actually given over to us? So I just want to point out, Rabbi Shmuel says, the general ideas were given over to us, right? The Klolos were given over to us. Klolos with a chaf, not with a kof, not curses, right? But again, general ideas, the general, right? The, the, the principles, the general categories were given over to us at Har Sinai. And Kratos, the details, were given over to us at Olamoid, in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, Rabbi Akiva says, no, everything was given over to us at Har Sinai. Klolos, Kratos, Nemro, Sinai, Vinishnu, Ba'olamoid, then they were then reviewed in Olamoid, and then a third time, they were reviewed in Arvos Moav. And I will say, there is not one word in the Torah that does not have at least, well, not at least, 48 covenants ultimately again associated with it. Because remember again, if we go with every single mitzvah, having essentially 16 different components associated with it, there was, the Torah is given over to Kalal Yisrael three times. Machlok is when the three times were, right? Everyone's agreeing Sinai was number one. What are the other two? It turns out that every single mitzvah, every single Jew has 48 covenants, 48 brisos on every single mitzvah. Incredible. Incredible. So I now listen to this. Now the truth is, if you, if you switch it a little bit, I will say, so now we've been focusing on from the perspective of the person, right? So from the perspective of the person, 
every Jew has made 48 covenants, right, on every single mitzvah. If you look at this, interestingly enough, not from the perspective of people, but from the perspective of mitzvos, Shabbos say every single mitzvah, mitzvah mitzvah of 603,000, right? So, 603,550. Let's remember again, that's the tally. That's the number of Jewish men between the ages of 20 and 60. So, I say, so you could do the math. Every single mitzvah, right, has had 48 times 603, 603, 603,550, right, thank you. 603,550, so that, that every single mitzvah has 603,550 times 48 number of covenants associated with it, which is an incredible, incredible idea. Uh, so I'll say, what's the takeaway message? Well, actually, we'll, we'll get it. I'm Rabbi, the very Rabbi Shimon Yehuda, according to Rabbi Shimon Yehuda, Ishkfar Ako, Shinem Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon, Therefore, it turns out for every Jew, for every Jew, So we'll say, it seems to be saying the same thing. My now, Shabbos is very interesting. My Remember, there's one more piece in all of this. What's the one more piece in all of this? That remember, in addition, in addition to the concept, ultimately, again, of every Jew, of every Jew taking upon himself 48 brisos, 48 covenants for every single mitzvah, I will say part of the mitzvahs that we have is a din of arvos, a responsibility that we have for each other. So I will say, so part of that, part of that is I have a responsibility for you, so you have a responsibility for me. So if I have a responsibility for you, I will say that means I have a responsibility for your 48 brisos as well. But you're also a guarantor for another Jew. So I will say, see, here's the shayla. The shayla is, does my personal responsibility just go on you as an individual? Or is each of us are responsible for our fellow Jew as individuals? Or do we also have responsibility for the responsibility that our fellow Jew has for other Jews. So in other words, am I just simply a guarantor for my fellow Jew? Or am I also a guarantor for my fellow Jew and I'm a guarantor on his, what's the word, guaranteeship? Guaranteeritude? Right? Guarantee, good. Or am I, am I a guarantor on his guarantee <coughs> for other people as well? So I'm say, so that, that'll obviously again sway the numbers in different directions. I will say two major takeaways. Two major takeaways. Number one, that we do not have a casual relationship with mitzvahs, right? We, we, I say we, are, we are so embedded, so embedded, multiple layers of connection, multiple layers of bris with every single mitzvah that exists, which is a truly beautiful and incredible idea. But I'll say not only that, but we have also, in addition to all of this, in addition to all of this, we have a guarantee ship within ours. My bris with mitzvahs, so I covers you, and your bris with mitzvahs covers me. In other words, part of the relationship that we have with mitzvahs ultimately is a responsibility that we have towards one another. Such an incredible, incredible gemara. Let's go back to it. Back to Har Grisim and Har Eval. So a pretty incredible gemara over here. The entire parashim. I will say, what entire parashim are we talking about? We're talking about the parasha of Hagrizim and Har Eval. This entire parasha was only said regarding an adulterer and an adulteress. In other words, we'll say, 
Remember, there's a whole bunch of brachas and klolos that were given over to Klal Yisrael. So what Rabbi Yehuda Bar Nachmari is trying to highlight over here is, really, what this is all about is immorality. That, 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 that's, that's the key. In other words, let's say, which, if you think about it, think about it just a moment, right? Pazik says, Kiddoshim to you. Kiddoshim to you. How does Rashi explain Kiddoshim to you? Have a prushim min ha'arayos. Stay away from immorality. That's how Rashi defines Kiddusha. So what you begin to see, and it makes sense because the core, the essence of Kiddusha is the ability to remain a moral individual. So, I'll say, so essentially what Rabbi Huda Bar Nachmani is saying over here is when Klal Yisrael comes in and they go to Hagrizim and Har Eval, at the end of the day, what they're really focused on, what they're really focused on is ultimately, again, morality. That, that, is, that is the true essence of what it is that's unfolding over here. So listen to this. For example, what does the Pasuk say? Cursed is the person who makes a pestle and idol, a graven image. So the Gemara says, I will say, is it enough to say, that's So what is it? Is it enough to say, Arur? Is it enough to say, cursed by Avodah ben. So as you know what it actually refers to? This is incredible. It refers to someone who commits adultery and has a child as a result of that adultery. And ultimately, again, then he goes to Sarbosay. So now what happens? That kid is a mamzer. Let's say it is very difficult to be a mamzer. Right? Why is it difficult to be a mamzer? First of all, in general, even colloquially, it's difficult, right? it's difficult to be around a mamzer, right? But we're talking about, not colloquially, we're talking about halachically. Right? This guy who's a mamzer, remember, he can't marry anyone. Right? He can't marry anyone. And we'll say, so what's the, what, what, generally, what is a mamzer going to end up doing? Chasun is going to leave the fold. So what happens? He goes and he marries an idolatress. Right? So what happens? And ultimately, what's going to happen? He's going to worship idolatry more. And his children are going to worship idolatry as well. And what's going to happen? Ultimately, again, cursed are his parents who brought him to this. So I'll say, it's incredible. It's incredible. So here again, it seems to be according to Yudah Banachmani, what Klav Yisrael is getting exposed to first when they come into Eretz Yisrael is maintain lives of moral purity. Because at the end of the day, moral purity is what will put your family on the right direction. And failure to adhere to that ultimately puts your family in a very negative trajectory, which could negatively impact them going forward. And if that happens, the parents are the kind of boss. They want to be clear in general, in general, Parents are not held accountable for the decisions their children make. We know this. This is, a, this is a story as old as time, right? Parents could do everything right, but your kids are going to make their own decisions. That being said, if it is clear that you did things wrong, and as a result of those wrong things, your children made bad life decisions, you are accountable for that. In other words, I could do, if I do everything right and my kids do their own thing, okay, what am I going to do? I, I, I tried, I tried. But, also, but sometimes it's clear, I did something wrong. I did something wrong. I modeled the wrong behavior. I took the wrong approach. Now, very often, I didn't mean to do it wrong. I would say, you know, the hardest part of parenting, hardest part of parenting is it's on-the-job learning, right? And sometimes, like, you know, if you have multiple kids, usually you tend to get things better, right, as, as the process moves along, right? So on one hand, by the youngest child, the youngest child often has less rules, less rules because he's just tired, right, right, less rules, but at the same time, like, I pretty much know by now, I don't necessarily know what works, 
but I definitely know what doesn't work. I know what doesn't work. And sometimes life is about just avoiding the things that don't work. Right? So we'll say, it's incredible you saw it in parenting. If I did something to mess up this kid, I'm responsible for that. Not, not that I did it intentionally, but if I did it, I'm responsible for that. And that's what we're saying over here. Again, who's telling Kali Yisrael, you're going into Eretz Yisrael, you're about to establish a new life, new families. Again, you are responsible for the moral quality of the lives you create. Incredible. Turn around, on. Let's say a little bit more and then we'll stop. You shall give the bracha and hagrizim and the klala matamul over. What does this mean? So I'll say, if, you, if all the Pasuk is coming to tell me that you should give the Brachan Hargizim, Kalan Harival, Kvar Ne'emar, Eliyam du Levarechesa la Hargizim, Uksive Eliyam du Asakala Baharival. So I'll say, so that's obvious, the Pasuk already says it. But ultimately, again, I will say, what is it coming to teach me? That the Bracha has to come before the Klala. Yachal Yehu Kalabrachas. Maybe you would think that all the brachos have to come before the kolos. Tamulomar brachu klala bracha achas kodemes la klala. Then kala brachos called most the klala. So both remember again. So it's to teach me how are brachos and klalos given or had reason in our eval bracha klala bracha klala bracha klala. So the hakish bracha the klala lomer lecha maklala belevim ach bracha for the furthermore. Just like the bracha was recited by the Levim, sorry, just like the klala was recited by the Levim, so to the bracha was recited by the Levim, umak klala just like the klala ultimately again was said in a loud voice, af bracha bakolram, so too the bracha was also said in a loud voice, umak klala kodesh, and just like the klala was given over lashna kodesh, af bracha balashna kodesh, so too the bracha is given over lashna kodesh, umak klala bichlal ubiprat, and just like the klala of is given over, bichlal ubiprat, specific, right, or general and then specific. Then what? Right? And just like by the Klala, right? Everyone answered Amen. You have to answer Amen. So to ultimately, again, everyone answers Amen as well. So I just want to point out with this, we'll conclude. Give us a few minutes to get ready for davening. So I so just want to conclude by saying the following. Remember, how did this last piece start? Well, so by the way, Pretty remarkable accomplishment. I'm just, uh, whatever, uh, whatever. I'm not looking for recognition or anything, but I'm just saying, we, we, made, it, we made it to the end, right? Given the fact that two days ago, we were, we were literally like four blocks behind. Uh, I will say, I just want to end up with this last piece. Remember, the whole essence, the whole essence of Hagrizim and Har Eval is an initiation into life in Eretz Yisrael. And how does initiation of life in Eretz Yisrael begin? Ultimately for Klal Yisrael, Bracha comes before Klala. I will say, which, remember, Moshe Rabbeinu, Yoshua, is giving chinuch to Klal Yisrael. I will say, how does the chinuch, how does chinuch start? Bracha before Klala. I will say, how does chinuch for our children start? Bracha before Klala. If I want my children to love Yiddishkeit, I will say, which, which is what every single parent wants, give the sweetness over. Give the beauty over. Give the grandeur over. Give the bracha. Is the klala necessary? Of course. A person always has to understand the ramifications and repercussions of anything and everything they do. But always start with the bracha. And then and only then ultimately go to the klala. Shkoyach. Shkoyach. Good night. Shabbos. Shkoyach. Shkoyach.